Hey listeners, Shane and I are super excited for this episode as we got to hang out with a friend from our CTO mentor program and get to know a new friend. You'll hear stories from all of us about our paths to being a CTO and the ins and outs of leadership in the ed tech space. We also have a couple announcements about the site conference returning in person this November. The early bird discount for the conference ends July 31st. There are also team discounts available. Highly recommend taking advantage of those to bring your crew with you. And as you'll hear in this episode, we are super fans of the CTO Mentor Program. The applications for that are opening late this summer. Our next episode will feature an in-depth look at the CTO Mentor Program. And now time for the show. Welcome to Insight Podcast. In this episode, we have Antonio Romayor and Ben Markley, both CTOs with their respective districts. My name is Shane Pinnell, and co-moderating with me is Jamie Lou Satter, and we happen to also be CTOs with our districts. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Shane. Hey, Ben. Hey, Antonio. Thanks for joining us. This episode is a bit of a reunion. Ben was my table mate during our CTO mentor program through Site, and Shane was in the cohort as well. Shane, I can't remember if you were at the cool kids table or not, but we are super happy to have Antonio joining us. And today we're talking about breaking into IT leadership. Yeah, I was definitely at the cool table. And I've also worked with Ben. Uh, we both worked at a previous district together. So good. So um, Shane, with this episode, I think since we are also CTOs, we should chime in whenever there's topics that relate to something and, and we can give our opinion as well. But I'd like to open the show with our traditional game of either or. So I like to play this game when we're doing interviews for tech positions or any chance just to really get to know people. And so for Antonio and Ben, how this is going to work is I'll pose an either or question, but Shane and I will also answer so we can get to know each other a little bit more. Okay, so up first, white bread or wheat bread? Ben, do you want to start? Wheat. Wheat. Yes, for sure. Shane? I guess I'll go with wheat, although I'm trying not to do a whole lot of bread right now, so neither, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) When I wrote that question, I totally thought somebody's going to say no bread. I love (laughs) toast. Yeah, toast, wheat bread's so good. Anything I can toast up and top with good things, delicious. Okay, Post-it notes or Google Keep, Antonio? Oh, Post-it notes. Excellent. Ben? I mix it up. I mix it, depends on what it is, but if I have time, keep. If I'm quick and, you know, have to write something down quick, I go with post-it notes. Nice. Shane, what about you? Kind of depends on what I'm doing. I use a lot of post-it notes to like put up on boards, but then I also have some Google Keep and other note-taking apps that I use. Yeah, I think I, I dominate with post-it notes, but Google Keep's there if I you know, don't have the Sharpie and the notepad ready to go. Okay, last one. Cable versus streaming. Shane, why don't you start? Streaming over cable. That's how <laughs> nice. I get my internet. Let's so, get to that. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. Antonio? Definitely streaming. And yep. Ben? I got to go with streaming. So I think I cut the cord like a year ago. No, uh, for me, uh, it's probably been three and a half, four years now, probably. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. How about you, Ben? Uh, it's been YouTube TV when that came out. A couple years. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. How long for you, Jamie? Oh, I don't know. Five or six years. It's been a long oh, time. Wow. Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm late to the streaming party. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, cut the cord. Did we even talk about that anymore? I mean, that's just what you do. Awesome. Okay, thank you so much for playing. And now we'll move on to the first part of our show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you uh, for joining us today, Ben and Antonio. As mentioned, today's episode is all about breaking into IT leadership. We'd love to open the show, learning about your current role and what you're excited about right now. So Antonio, why don't you uh, tell us what you're doing right now? 
Yeah. Thank you very much for having me, Shane and Jamie. I look forward to the conversation. Those questions were hilarious. I should have said sourdough because I'll choose that over white or wheat, but whatever. Yeah, I'm the CTO at a TK through 8th uh, school district. I have spent my entire academic career at the school district in different positions. So there's a lot of benefits. With that is that um, I've been fortunate enough to work with some great people and network at a very cool level in regards to the products we're able to create. So if anything, right now, school just finished for us. Teachers are checking out. Today's the last day for them to check out. Students' last day was last Friday. I have been taking a breath, to be quite honest with you, Friday over the weekend. I've been just kind of checking myself where I'm going to be. I'm trying to be planning for next year. Summer school started this week, so we're doing a little bit of planning and figuring that out. We're collecting Chromebooks. I'm concerned about the numbers we're getting in. So trying to figure out how that's going to work. But being fully transparent, the last couple of days have really just been kind of relaxing and trying to catch my breath a little bit. And that's important for leaders. So I've been doing that. But we're gearing up for summer school and gearing up for our summer projects. We're going to do a firewall upgrade and some core and edge core upgrade, stuff like that. So that's what's going on with me. So Antonio, how long have you been at that district? You said you kind of, you're homegrown there, right? So how long? I am homegrown. This is in DC. In December is going to be my 22nd year. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Great. Yeah, the time off or a little bit of time to unwind is important. I started off this week and I looked at my calendar. I was like, oh my gosh, I have some space on my calendar. This is... This is awesome. I can. Yeah, it went from multicolor to a little bit less, right? For sure. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Ben? Yeah, Ben Markley, Chief Technology Officer, currently serving at Hemet Unified School District. Been about three years, or you know, roughly twenty-two thousand students, K twelve district, TK twelve district. Been in education in IT, you know, through I think two thousand is when I uh, began in like Elston Unified as a computer technician began learning SIS, you know, moved into that kind of that realm, SIS and uh, more ed services, data analysis, and then became director of IT and CTO in San Diego, district in San Diego County, prior to me rolling over here to, to Hemet Unified. So worked in four different districts, unlike Antonio, so I bounced around a little bit, but we learned a lot along the way, for sure. Yeah. What's something that you're uh, looking forward to right now, work-wise? Uh, yeah, it's been a busy year, of course, as Antonio said. One of the big projects we have, of course, is collecting all of our devices, and we're happy to announce we, out of our 11,000 elementary Chromebooks, we have all but about 2,000 back, so we're trying to collect those right now as we speak. So we want to get a you know look at those before we begin the next school year, of course. But we're also in the middle of transitioning or you know refreshing all of our secondary Chromebooks. So we have around uh, 12,000 Chromebooks coming in for that refresh, which will be in the fall. So that's been a big project. Those, those are beginning to arrive as we're getting them prepped and ready for for students in the fall. So I'm assuming your elementary student Chromebooks kind of went home during the pandemic and now you're bringing them back into the classroom and they're going to live in the right. classroom now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, roughly 40%, 45% of our students stayed home. And so those devices, you know, we didn't get them until school was out, which was, you know, last week. So we began collecting those. So I've seen quite a yeah. few of them, but still some of those are out. How about you, Jamie? Is there something you're excited about that your, your team's working on right now? Yeah, actually, the kind of post-it note question came from my work last night. I threw up a giant post-it note up on the wall and just started planning out all the things that we need to focus on. But I think we're trying to just really think about systems and 
there's a little bit of innovation. You know, there's always things we want to update, like taking advantage of new things we're seeing in systems. Like we met with our class link rep last week and she talked about a few little adjustments we can make. So I was kind of excited to share that with the ed tech people. And it's almost like kind of refining and honing in on the systems that yeah. we really have integrated versus launching something brand new. So we have to do our signal kit to parent square migration. So I'm working on that a little bit too, because that's kind of a forced change, but I think it'll be good. So yeah, I think we're just kind of digging in and trying to really examine what's, what's in place and then kind of just pause on the innovation for just like five minutes. We just need to just get caught up. So I'm excited about that. And then, yeah, kind of reflecting on all of that. I was like, wow, I could just automate this. Like, I don't need to make this list every summer. I could just make one list, refresh, update. And that was a little fun to kind of think through. What about you? Absolutely. Doing some of the same things. We're pushing off the parent square migration until the fall. Mm -hmm. I don't want to throw anything new on my staff or any of the staff. I just kind of want everybody to have their summer and, and then come back to school knowing what they're going to be stepping into and then continue making changes in the fall for us. I think that's about it really. Just like you said, honing things and Mm -hmm. kind of trying to catch up on all the things that were on the back burner throughout the pandemic, trying to move those up to the front. Now, one of my guys likes to tell us that we don't have a, we have a nothing but front burner stove. So maybe we're trying to reconfigure (laughs) our stove and actually have a back burner now where we can kind of put some things. So just, just, just trying to, I guess just trying to take a breath. Yeah. So Ben and Antonio, we want to learn also a little bit about your path to leadership, but first can I ask you a couple fun questions? Can you tell me a favorite toy or game you had as a child and then something you wanted to be when you grew up? Ben, do you want to start? Sure. I've always been a competitive person. I'm a very young age. And so my favorite game to play, if I could ever talk anybody into it, was Monopoly. And I really enjoyed that game. This is a young young man and uh, anybody I can get to play with me. Usually they play at least once, maybe twice. And that was usually about it because I get pretty cutthroat and it's like side <laughs> deals and, you know, that kind of thing. So it was, uh, it was always a lot of fun for me, but not so much fun for the family. So that was when I enjoyed. As I grew up, I, I really didn't necessarily, I didn't have like a job, you know, in mind. I just knew mm-hmm. I liked to always like improve things and fix things. And mm-hmm. I always felt like I was, I kind of had some natural leadership built into me. I think my parents kind of established some of that at a young age. But it just was something I've always wanted to improve and make processes better and motivate mm-hmm. people to to do that with me. I always thought it didn't really matter what I did. I just knew I wanted to kind of kind of be in management, I guess, and just make things better. That's great. Thank you. Antonio. Yeah, growing up, you know, I was 80s kid. So for me, there's a lot of different toys. But one in, in particular, I remember I had a, a Knight Rider car. I say hat because I'm hoping that I had this little box that was like a keepsake where I had all these things. And it had a like a propulsion unit, you know, because... Kit would have this super pursuit mode. I have memories of playing with that, but different types of toys, like race cars and things like that. Kind of like what Ben was talking about in regards, this is probably a difficult question for me in regards to like what I wanted to be when I grow up, because it really wasn't anything particular. I was very entrepreneurial. I've done different jobs, you know, started working as soon as I could. I'm just like a stay busy type of guy. Anything that kind of let me innovate or solve a problem or, you know, do something like that or experience something new. I was always kind of down to, to make that happen, anything kind of challenging. So I did everything from cut grass to flip burgers to fix computers, you name it, a bunch of jobs in between. I didn't have like this direct path to leadership, but there was definitely skill sets along the way that attracted me to certain things that I did when, when I was a kid. Thank you. Ben, same for you. Do you feel like it was kind of a direct path to where you got where you are now, or did you try out a bunch of different things? And did you have leadership in mind? I mean, I know you said you wanted to be a manager, but like, you know, thinking about what you're doing now, does this fit your ideal? Yeah. You know, I, I think I just remember I played sports in high school and did athletics and 
I was captain of the team. So I kind of had some, I guess, some leadership components mm-hmm. at, at that moment. And I realized people seemed to listen to what I said and cared to listen. So I think at that age, and then just, I was always, I'm the oldest of five. And so I was always driving to, I guess, leading my siblings. And so it just kind of became natural for me to do some of those items, I guess. So I don't know, it's always, it's been part of me and I love people. And so working with people is something I've always enjoyed doing and, and helping us as a team come together and accomplish great things. It's something that's always been a desire of mine. So it, as far as me, I kind of just got into IT. It was kind of accidental, I guess. I kind of just started doing some work with a, a guy from my church. He's like, hey, I'm looking mm-hmm. for someone to work with. And I kind of working with him. And as I got into the field, next thing you know, I was doing some consulting for a couple of school districts. And next thing you know, the district was hiring for a technician. And I applied and got the position. And I guess the rest is kind of history. But it really wasn't my plan to go into IT. It was just more of an interest and something I, mm-hmm. I learned over time, just to kind of pay the bills at the beginning and it, it developed into what it is today. Yeah. Interesting. How about you, Jamie? You have a little different path than the rest of us. Yeah. You know, I mean, even though it's it's different, it feels like the same qualities are there. So I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a teacher. That was just my my goal in life. And I think it's partly because I had a kind of an interesting childhood where I switched schools a whole lot. And teachers, I think, kind of noticed that maybe I needed more support than Mm -hmm. other kids. And so they always gave me extra things to do. Like I remember grading papers like in third grade. I mean, I don't know what (laughs) teacher gives third graders like papers to grade, but I think she just noticed I needed someplace to be. So I always say like school saved my life. So from that point on, like I knew I wanted to be that teacher who like saw kids who needed help and would be there for them. But also with that just comes like a love of organization and like I was a camp counselor and then daycare director driving the school bus to Disneyland with like 85 kids and, you know, planning and organizing. So I love that. And then it's, it's kind of a good fit for technology. Like if you have a desire to kind of help and like fix things and like problem solve and look for issues before they're going to like turn into fires, you know, I think it kind of matches pretty well. And then of course you having the teacher lens to just whatever you can do to keep instruction going forward is what we do. So I think it, it seems like odd to go English teacher to CTO, but some of the same kind of principles and qualities transfer over. Yeah, what about absolutely. you, Shane? So I guess I, I, mean, I kind of grew up on a farm. So I did a whole bunch of non-computers things uh, growing uh-huh. up and in doing that, I think I realized I, I didn't want to do the, the hot and sweaty stuff in the summer anymore. Although I guess we still <laughs> do some of that in IT. And then kind of, <laughs> kind of lost my way uh, going to college a little bit and went into the military and and that's where I kind of found an affinity for working with computers and and kind of solving doing problem solving and and some coding and things like that there and then was fortunate to get a job when I got out of the military came back home and I was able to get a job in my my home school district starting out as a tech and then and then moving up from there pretty fortunate and then moving over here to my current position in Colton as a CTO I always kind of knew that I wanted to or I guess I, I know that I, I enjoy building things. I enjoy solving problems. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy trying to understand people's problems from their lens, trying to understand what the kind of motivators are behind what they're trying to do and then, and then mm-hmm. trying to figure out how technology can weave in there and, and make things better for people. I think a lot of times we put technology on top and it doesn't make things better for people. In some cases, it mm-hmm. makes it worse. So I, I really want to, you know, computers exist to make humans' jobs easier so that humans can focus on the things that humans are good at. That's kind of what I've learned that I like about computers. I think I also love like the translation. You see something a certain way and somebody else is trying to understand it. And then we have the ability to, to like bring them around or present it in a way that makes it understandable. So I feel, yeah. I feel like sometimes tech offers that challenge, which I find very exciting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think, I think Jamie mentioned like a little bit of that because 
as a teacher, you're, that's what you're doing, right? You're educating mm -hmm. students. And I think, you know, to be a successful <laughs> CTO or IT leader, you really need to be able to have that ability to explain it to cabinet, to principal, to whoever, teacher, whoever, in an understandable way, you know, a rather complex, sometimes complex idea. You know, how does it apply to them? How does it impact them? Which is kind of a, takes some of that teaching ability to explain something, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Jamie, I know you talked about wanting to be a teacher, starting off wanting to be a teacher. But I'd like to hear from Antonio and Ben about, did something draw you to education or did you just land in education, specifically education? Yeah, I don't think anything specific drew me to education. I preach this a lot. I preach that you have to create opportunity, right? In poor English, Jamie, I say doing nothing gets you nothing, right? So being that now I know you're an English teacher, uh, going to now forever just stumble <laughs> my words anytime I'm speaking in front of Jamie. No, you know, you were describing something about when you were a kid. I just remembered when I was in junior high, uh, the nerd of Antonio Romayor, like would volunteer during the summer to file papers with the secretaries in the, in the office, right? So again, my need of wanting to do something, or maybe it was really cool in that office, and that's why I liked it. I wasn't actually drawn to something. I was, I was at a friend's house. That friend's family had transitioned a copier company into a clone kind of computer company making those white boxes and stuff like that. I saw a bunch of computers that needed to be built. I offered some help, and then I realized that I had a talent for it, things like that. I tell people I can't really jump much, you know, I'm not much, you know, athletic in that sense. But when it came to that, it just makes sense, right? The networking pieces, the components of a computer and all those other things. I think the leadership pieces, folks kind of mentored me one way or another before I understood what that meant, starting with my parents and then starting with other people in my life. And I just consider myself fortunate. I had a, like Ben was talking about, about someone from church, the guy was complaining that people would leave our area because I live in a rural area of California. It's, oh, you know, you guys just leave and you all want to go to San Diego or you want to go to Phoenix or something. And you just don't ever stay here in the Valley and stuff like that. So I said, find me a job and I'll gladly stay there. I was living in San Diego. And yeah, find me a job in a school district. And a few <laughs> weeks later, I got offered the job. So that was my kind of story about how I got to, to work in a school district. Yeah. How about you, Ben? You mentioned how you kind of got there, but did you have any, any thoughts of being in education? I knew I wasn't the best student. And so yeah. I didn't think that I would be in education. So that, that never was on my mind. Uh, however, when I got into working for a district, just as my first real professional job, I began feeling that I could make a difference and yeah. that I could make an impact. And I felt my skill set, you know, it's not a traditional technical background. You know, I felt like, again, I was fairly good at communicating. <laughs> I was fairly good at doing a number of the, you know, explaining things to people that seem successful. I go, maybe I have a potential here to really help make technology in the classroom more than just, you know, a few, you know, internet and, and email and things like that. Maybe there's a pathway here and I can make an impact. And so I think I began to see that early on as I began to explain and train and things like that. And especially when I got involved more in ed services and data analysis, I really began to see my opportunity to help people use data to make better decisions. And that kind of was, I guess, an aha moment for me. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Shane, what about you? I'm just, this is such a good question. How did you get into education? Sort of accidentally, I guess. Um, <laughs> the job was available and I was, I was working at a water company and um, mm. as a small water company. So doing everything from fixing computers to digging ditches in the middle of the summer, a job opened up at the school district and I applied and was fortunate enough to get hired there and moved up through the ranks there. As I started working in education, though, I really found 
that I enjoyed the purpose behind it. Uh, I think it really kind of fulfilled fulfilled me. Uh, I mean, obviously you get a paycheck, so that that part's great. But just you know, you can work in IT and and work for a logistics company moving boxes around, which is definitely something that the world needs as well. But I just feel like working in education really really ticks the box for me. It, it speaks a lot to uh, my desire to make sure things are equitable for people and, and you know, living in a in a society that I want to live in. I think part of that is is giving back a little bit, and I feel like I'm giving back by working in education. So it, it kind of fills my cup. But they didn't start off filling my cup. I, I didn't know that that cup needed to be filled. I guess and, until I actually got into education and then. Found that I really enjoyed it. I really I like talking to teachers. I like learning about education. Mm-hmm. I enjoy seeing students succeed. I enjoy mm-hmm. knowing that the work that I'm doing is is kind of helping society as a whole. I think so. Mm-hmm. My second favorite sound in the entire world is that epiphany when somebody's like, "Oh, that sound!" Especially when you can get it to ripple through a classroom. But even working with adults and kind of training them in tech, like when they get it, so amazing. Such second favorite sound. What's what's the first? Like gut belly laughter, like little baby <laughs> gut belly laughter, like the best. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So we've talked a little bit about your path, your current roles. Let's talk specifically about breaking into IT leadership. Ben, you mentioned that there was kind of that moment, like break-in moment where you got into it. Can we kind of explore that a little bit more? What was that moment for each of you when you kind of really broke into leadership? Yeah, I think... One of my moments for me is I was working as a uh, as a technician, and I remember current director of IT. And we were a small department, right? This is technology twenty years ago, and in school districts we had four technicians or five. You know, it's a pretty mm-hmm. small compared to today's today's world, what we see. But and I was I think the earliest as far as a career in the district there and in the department. But I remember after a couple of years, the director began telling me you have an opportunity to do more than just technical work or you know, technician, but me more management. I'd like to begin to develop you and give you some opportunities to grow. That was kind of, I guess, my first aha moment. Like, okay, I guess there's something here that I, I could potentially build upon, again, in that regard, as far as leadership goes. Someone else saw it in me first, I guess, before I saw it in myself, but there are opportunities that they establish. They, the individual go on vacation, for instance, they go, okay, you're in charge of the department for a week or two weeks or making, you know, if it was a question, go to Ben. And I would also sit next to this individual during meetings, you know, with principals or whatever, and just watch and see how things were conducted and began to just to see how they operated and learn those components. So mm-hmm. I feel like to me, it was really somebody else saw some opportunities in me and gave me opportunities to grow. That's cool. and what about your eventual jump into an actual leadership role? Was there any moment that happened there or did it just show up? Never, never wastes a good opportunity, right? So there were many opportunities that something happening that I wasn't happy about. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, mm. another opportunity. And so yeah, the next opportunity, there's something that came up was a supervisor role in another district. And so I, I applied for it because I wasn't necessarily happy with what was happening where I was currently at. Yeah. And so again, I was kind of in a way, not forced, but it certainly was encouraged me to look elsewhere. And that put me in that next level, which I already kind of wanted to do. I just didn't have the title in the previous role. I had the responsibilities and mm-hmm. I had, you know, everybody treated me as such, but I didn't have the title. And so mm-hmm. my first supervisor role, it was another district, uh, which is where I worked with Shane, at, you know, yeah. high school district and is where I kind of got that first glimpse of truly having the title along with the responsibilities. Yeah. How about you, Antonio? Yeah, Ben, I I enjoyed hearing your story. You know what? 
I think the previous jobs that I was talking about, I cut my teeth learning customer service and different things, right? I learned early on that what I articulate now by saying, I tell my folks all the time, it's not what you can do, but it's how you get it done. And I always use Starbucks as an example or whatever you particularly like, where you go back there because of the experience, right? And so I say that because that was kind of what helped me or propelled me into leadership. When I came on at 19, I was fresh out of technical school, and I'm assigned to a technology coordinator that is rough around the edges. <laughs> a retired Navy guy is rough around the edges. But I pride myself in working with any type of person. And then fast forward a day before my 21st birthday, the board approves me as a, a temporary technology coordinator. And the difference during that time had to do with the way I approached the work. He is smarter than me, can do long math in his head, uh, was able to subnet without using a piece of paper, you know, <laughs> one of those. Really, I mean, you know, he could speed read. He's a brilliant man. But it wasn't, again, what he could do. It was about how he did it. And he came across very abrasive, right? Mm -hmm. So I learned early on that it's about that. I think that's definitely been a huge success. In fact, just recently, as we were finishing the year, I think it was like a May board meeting where we gave kind of our end of the year presentation. My approach was about why we're different, right? It filled me with joy hearing the board president say that he thinks we're different because of our customer service. Well, that was the goal, right? So I realized that as we were preparing for today and we've been talking that's probably what it's been. I've had that perspective of it. That's helped me in leadership. And definitely, like Ben was talking about, the people who invested in me along the way. Because I've screwed up a bunch of different mm -hmm. times. You imagine mm -hmm. being a 20-year-old person in management with all kinds of... I mean, everyone's like 20 years older than you. you know. So mm -hmm. it was tough. But those people invested in me and were patient with me. Yeah. That initial coordinator position for you, that was a management position? Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, wow. Technology coordinator. Yeah. Wow. You are definitely the, uh, the most seasoned manager here, I think. <laughs> sure. I'll take it. <laughs> awesome. How about you, Jamie? Yeah. So I was teaching high school English and was, you know, fresh out of grad school and second year of teaching. I was like, oh man, I don't know. I mean, I've wanted this my whole life and now I'm here. And it wasn't exactly what I wanted in a sense of teaching English. I love teaching and learning more than anything in the world. And that's what I discovered. So I started teaching my students how to be better students. And I noticed that with my colleagues, they would like to talk about punctuation and grammar. And I was like, but how are the kids learning? How do you know that there's learning? And a couple of teachers would grab me and we'll go into another room and they would diagram on the whiteboard, like their ideas about, you know, how to teach a thesis statement. And we weren't arguing about what a good thesis statement is. We were arguing like that debate turned into how do we teach? And then I got an offer to teach in a grad school program and that was amazing. So I got to teach other teachers and I was like, wow, the light bulb clicked. Like I was like, this is, this is it. I love the kids more than anything, but that idea of transferring knowledge at a different level, like teaching about teaching was really cool. And so then I was, I was getting ready to apply for a doctoral program and my superintendent, I don't know if she thought I was going to leave or I don't know what happened, but she's like, we want you to be a TOSA. Like, let's do that for, you know, a couple classes. So I was part-time TOSA for a year. And then the next year I was going to be full-time TOSA. And, you know, when you're part-time, you really just fix printers and build websites. Like you cannot get to everybody at a high school. So that was my first year of kind of tech support. But then the next year I was going to be a full-time TOSA, but there was kind of change in management. So yeah, two months later, I found myself director of technology. <laughs> so it was kind of abrupt and sudden, and I had to learn really, really fast. But I think what really helped me was finding the CTO mentor 
mentor program a couple of years into that. I heard about it, got in, and that just really helped me understand everything. And yeah. then a year after that, I was promoted to CTO. And I think it really just was hard work and grit and accepting that you don't know everything, you can't know everything, but that you can put the hard work in, you can, like Antonio, I love your saying, like I wrote it down, it is it is about how you get the job done, not about what you know, because you can find the answers. You can Google it, you can find a smart friend, you can have a smart teammate, but how you deliver makes all the difference in the world. So, I mean, I remember the sandwich shop I was standing in where the superintendent said, hey, let's meet. I know where that exact moment was and how it felt. But yeah, it was, it was a tough, tough, steep climb to get here. Yeah. Shane, what about, what's your story? I don't think there's any real one point. I, you know, I think I've just had some people that, that kind of mm-hmm. invested in me and, and helped me along the way. I think I started early in my career. There was kind of a leadership vacuum in the department. There literally was no leadership in the department. The director had left and they didn't refill the position for quite a while. So the work still had to get done. So I just kind of did the work and just kind of led where I was. Working with some with some other staff members, we kind of just decided to pick the department up by its, by its bootstraps and, and continue moving forward in the vacuum of leadership. And I think people saw that, started working directly with some teachers. One of those teachers eventually became the director, remembered our time together fondly because I was supportive of teaching from the IT department. So then, you know, he, he helped me move up through the ranks as well, got me a, a supervisor position or created a supervisor position through a FICMAT study. We had to kind of rearrange the department a little bit. It was really flat. And then they, FICMAT recommended some tiers. I was promoted to a supervisory position. Then again, went to the CTO program with uh, Jamie and Ben. After that, became an assistant director and then, and then moved on to a, a directorship and, and now a CTO role. And really, I, I, get, I think all along the way, it was just some other people kind of identifying within me, some, some capacity for leadership there and then helping me get there. You know, I certainly wouldn't be here without their help. I want to add, I, if I can, you know, I worked with Shane together in the district for, I don't know, what, six years or so, seven years, but yeah. we were in different, different departments. He was IT. I was more in ed services doing data. I know I grew, I'm sure, but I know specifically seeing Shane grow in that time yeah. as a leader, a thought partner, problem solver for teachers for, you know, from the educational services side of the house. Yeah. And he developed quite a bit in that time of his, you know, and I saw that happen firsthand. And so I think that that's important component of leadership is recognizing you have some basic skills, but I think a lot of it is developed and you have to really spend time to evaluate yourself and reflect and work on developing that. And so, you know, I've seen Shane do it and I just wanted to take a chance or an opportunity to compliment him on, on that and doing that, you know, he did that himself. And yeah, well, you know, I I appreciate that. And and thank you for saying that. I remember being Kind of the lock it and block it IT guy. That's where we started. That's where I started. That's where I came in. And that's kind of how the department was working. Over the course of time, that became increasingly frustrating. I was increasingly frustrated with it because I was, I felt like I was at odds with the people that we were supposed to be serving too frequently at odds with them. Sometimes we have to be at odds, right? There's some things that we just have to do. But I felt too frequently that we were at odds and, and not necessarily for the right reasons. Took some work with those other people to understand where they were coming from and but again, that's one of those problems that I've, I wanted to solve. Uh, it was a problem that I could identify in the organization that we needed to fix. So I did some work on myself to try to help fix that problem and, and going out and talking to people and, and learning what their frustrations were and how can we do things better to make it work for them. I still wanted to maintain safety and security for the students. You know, our default answer didn't have to be no. It turned from no, or at least my default answer turned from no to maybe not that way, but let's find a way. Let's find a way. Mm-hmm. And I think that was very beneficial for me. It took a few years to, to get that figured out. I had a lot of growing to do during that process and some 
had some stumbles along the way, of course, but I, th- I think I eventually got there and it, it served me well because I, I think I wouldn't be in this position that I'm in now if I hadn't made that growth. Absolutely. I think it's just incredible, like the flexibility and adaptability that tech teams have had to overcome. I mean, especially this last year, but even in years past, bringing in Chromebooks and managing any type of device where before it used to be only one kind and mm-hmm. that's all we had the capacity for. And that teams were able to grow and get bigger, that we had funding, you know, to support tech teams. I, I think having a strong leader to advocate for those right things has made a huge impact. And I think prepared certain districts to kind of get through the pandemic pretty well. I think everybody got to the same ending point where kids have devices and we made it through. But I think depending on what you did beforehand, we were able to advocate for you kind of launched a little bit easier. Right. All right. So we've talked about kind of how you got into IT leadership. But I, I know along the way, there's going to be some highs and some lows for everybody. So can you guys talk a little bit about those highs and those lows? And how did you get yourself maybe out of the lows? And how did you deal with the highs as well? Ben, you want to start that one off? To me, the highs are moments, I think, obviously, when you're, you're working with your team and you're, you're accomplishing some great things. Um, you put a plan in place and you begin to see it. Many times there's been, as a leader, you have to Leadership is influence, right? So it's your responsibility to influence your team and influence the organization. But there's times where you have to kind of prove yourself to a team or maybe there's, there's, there's resistance to a plan. And sometimes you have to be a little more strong about what we're gonna, going to accomplish. And so for me, some of the highs have been when there's been resistance or questioning of a plan, even though we've attempted to get as much ownership into it as possible. But you can see it and your team can't. But then when they begin yeah. to see it, they begin to see it comes to fruition and they then believe in the, the project or believe in the, the goal and they own it and they take pride in it and they work their tails off to make it happen. Those have been to me some of the some of the highs. And then communicating with staff, some of the you know, going around to going to staff meetings and sharing with them what we're doing on their behalf and what we're doing behind the scenes and just sharing all the work that's being done from NIT to the staff at their meetings. And to see their appreciation and to know that we're part of a team and it's not just us doing these things to you, but we're doing these things on your behalf because we want to make things better for you. And so hearing that and seeing them respond to me from staff has always been a high for me to get out there and enjoy that. And of course, you know, that benefits the students when they, when they're able to take those projects or implementations, whatever it may be, and and directly impact the classroom in a positive way. How about any lows? I think lows are maybe when you, in the same way, you have an innovative idea and you have a great plan and you're trying to get maybe it's, you know, district leadership or somebody else to see it and want to, you know, support it and fund it. And you just don't quite get what you need to be successful in it. Maybe they give you 25% of the money or 50% and you're like, (laughs) this is not going to do it. Like it's not going to make it successful. And they're going to go, I told you so. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. I think maybe some of those situations and, you know, I, as a leader, I'm always reflecting. And so there's areas that I could always do things better. So I think yeah. in a leadership role, it's always reflecting going, you know, the lows to me are how can I have done it better? How can I have improved? And I mean, a project that didn't go as well as I, as I thought it could be. So it's in those deep, quiet moments, you know, that yeah. I'm mm-hmm. probably in my low. You beat yourself up a little bit, but. <laughs> yes, exactly. Learn from it and move on. Yeah. Yeah. You only get better. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah you know, through that reflection, that's how you, yeah. how you improve. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Antonio? Well, I have a newfound respect for people who get interviewed all the time. I've heard athletes answer this question, right? Give me a high and low of your career. And it's like, it's hard. But anyways, 
you know, as I was reflecting on what Ben was talking about, I think it's a moving target. I think my highs have moved, my lows have moved. I can think of some, like if I think about some of the lows, I think about the personalities that maybe we just did not get along, but we had to get yeah. along. That was a real stress. You know, I go home stressed out about some interaction yeah. mm-hmm. that did, didn't need to be that way. And I'm more a lover than I am a fighter 99% of the time. So it's just like, why can't we just reason through this instead of having to just be at odds with each other? That was, those are probably low moments because I think that it impacts the possibility of synergy, right? But like we talked about, you turn them into learning moments. You work hard to work with different types of personalities and things like that. Generation changes, you know, their style compared to new styles, stuff like that. So, and as a leader, you're going to get faced with these impossible situations. I will always remember the way Jamie was talking about that moment where she can just remember when her superintendent told her good news or the potential of good news. I remember the moment where I found out for the first time that I was going to have to reduce salaries to a point where it meant cutting someone, right? I can still remember the moment. I mean, like that, it'll ruin a meal if I keep thinking about it. So that's tough. And having to sit with that person in the room, trying to figure it out, you know, that this is a person's job and, you know, it's just economy or something else that has to blame, has nothing to do with the performance of the person that definitely more so than the problems you may have at work. I would definitely keep that as one of the low points when you have to make those very tough choices. The highs, they change all the time. I, I think the personal growth opportunities of yourself, seeing other people be successful, I think that's an important part of a leader is to, you know, to spotlight excellence. So you have to do that. You have to promote other people's excellence and make sure that they get recognized for it. As humans, I think it's super important, much more so for leaders to do it because we have access to greater things, right? We have access to greater resources, more information, things like that. And we have a huge team that's helping us be successful. So we want to highlight that. I think a high for me is anytime someone's able to receive that recognition the way they feel. The conversation you have after where they're thanking you and you're trying, you know, you're telling them everything. I think those things, those are great moments. And I know they're going to have a direct benefit to the kids and to the community. So I I would definitely consider those highs in, in my career. Awesome. How about you, Jamie? I agree with Antonio very much on that. I think the hardest parts are the staff conversations where it's either kind of a course correction or a change in direction altogether. Those are the worst because you, yeah, you just recognize how much somebody has invested. And if it's not related to performance, if it's just about a decision that has to be done, it's awful. I think the ones that are performance-based, I think it's on us to coach and to get people into the right position and get them the skills that they need. And if that doesn't work, then of course, you know, you've done all that you can, but those also can be good moments when you can really find somebody that may not be a good fit in one place and then find them a much better fit with some skill development. So I, I like that part a lot. So as much as that can be a low, I think that's a good good challenge. And the highs, I think definitely for me are working with the student groups. Like I love that I get to have a student tech council to have as like an advisory board and I love, I get to teach Google Sheets to seventh graders on Thursday. Like that's so exciting. So any, anytime I can find time with the kids and make this job, remember what this job is about. I think those are the high moments for me. Shane? So I think high moments for me are, are when I, I think when I'm able to identify growth potential in staff and help foster that and help feed and grow that person. I really enjoy doing that. And I enjoy seeing their growth as well. And I was also just thinking that I actually like hiring people. I think that's mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of that first step in that process. I, I really enjoy hiring somebody and then um, watching them grow and be successful in the position that, that they've come into. I think uh, that's that's pretty fun for me. Lows for me, so low for me in my career was uh, I was I did not make the uh, terms of my probation once. So I, I had to do a lot of uh, a lot of reflection on that. It was a pretty tough moment for me. Uh, a lot of reflection, a lot of growth came out of that. I think I, I made me a much stronger person and probably a better leader, I guess. 
I learned a little bit about politics in that. And I learned, which, you know, it's just, it's part of any job. Sometimes we don't like to talk about it, but it exists. It's not unique to education. It might be a little different in education, just the nature mm-hmm. of, of our work, but it exists. You know, it is something that I had to learn. I thought I was immune to it because of my my technical acumen. I thought I was kind mm-hmm. of immune to some of the political stuff, but it turns out I was not. I had to learn how to work through that. That was definitely a low for me, but maybe stronger for sure. So, mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. It's part of leadership, yeah. right? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, we've been kind of vulnerable this episode, like sharing some <laughs> sharing some insights. I, I love it. It's really nice. Yeah. So transitioning to our last segment, I think this is where we always want to give some advice to our listeners, a challenge, a call to action. And specifically for this episode, we're really talking about how to break into that IT leadership position. So I think that's where we really want to start is what advice do you want to offer to those kind of trying to do what we apparently have so much fun getting to do every day? (laughs) One thing that, again, I, I, I go back to how I got started is I was given opportunities by others to grow. I remember I was a technician. I got the job for a month and my boss goes, you're going to become the SIS, you know, backend person. You're going to understand the servers. You're going to set them all up. This is a SASE 3 to SASE XP implementation. Every school had their own server. You're doing all this conversion. You're doing this and this and that. You're going to know how this system works in and out. And I remember being there a month, I go, I don't know how, how a district even works. And yeah, I got to know how the entire school system, you know, schedules and all these things, right? Which is the SIS component, how all this stuff functions. So I went to a training for a month, but I went into it very positive and going, this is going to be an opportunity for me to, to learn something because this is like a $5,000 training and it could really give me opportunities in my future. So I think I went into it opposed to being uh, frustrated and upset. And when this isn't what I signed up for, to looking at the positive in that situation. And that led me into then going into SIS, understanding data, understanding CalPads, and just kind of gave me an, you know, a growth opportunity through my career that has given me insight that I wouldn't have if I didn't have that, that moment. And then I would also say there were times when I, there were committees, they were looking, or, we need somebody for the insurance committee. And I remember going, I'm just going to sign up because I want to just know how a committee works. <laughs> you know, what is the school district, how they operate? And so I signed up for the committee, not having any interest in insurance as a 22-year-old a single guy, but I was interested in the process of how the organization made decisions and structured. And yeah. so it gave me some good insight, but it also then people, I worked with other principals, I worked with some directors. And so I began in a way getting to see how they process and how they think, and it helped me grow and begin to develop, even though I probably provided no value to them, they provided a lot to me and it helped, helped develop me, but yeah. I, if I didn't really realize it in the moment. So you sum that up as just being willing to kind of jump and take advantage of opportunities. I think I have friends and they've said, man, you've gotten a lot of lucky breaks and <laughs> things like that. You've gotten lucky. And mm-hmm. I, I can't say I haven't, but I also believe you make your own luck a lot of yeah. the time. And so I tell them that I go, yeah, but you know, what? I put myself in positions to, to be ready when those moments showed up to, mm-hmm. to be able to jump yeah. in and step in. And like I said, signing up for the insurance committee, which nobody wants to be a member of, trust me, I was on one. And it's difficult to get, you know, a quorum of eight people or whatever we needed. We were begging and borrowing, you know, from everybody we could to make that eight. Mm-hmm. And so, but yet, look what it provided me. It provided me insight of how to run a meeting, effective meeting, how to mm-hmm. form a committee, how to make decisions, how to work with vendors, all these things, again, as a computer technician with, you know, in the first year of the organization. That's an example of one. I, I mean, it's probably the best one I have because it was the worst it was very boring. It was probably you know, <laughs> not, not so exciting. 
but yet it gave me a good perspective again of, of how things operated and yeah. i would just say be ready to step in make mm-hmm. your own luck you never know what one thing will lead to another don't be afraid to to step out and take a stretch you know mm-hmm. stretch yourself and be willing to as jamie's doing a training the thursday you know be willing to to do things like that like they need somebody yeah. to do something step out and do it yeah absolutely how about you antonio Man, I'm so excited about this type of topic. You know, Ben, thanks for sharing. I want to plug my future book, but I haven't written it yet, right? So <laughs> it's, I'm so I'm so passionate about this topic. You're trying to synthesize years of stuff, right? And that, I think that's where I'm having a mental block to try to get it done. But as I was hearing what Ben was talking about, for me, maybe I'll go a little bit more pragmatic. I think if you're trying to break in advice, right, break into a leadership position, I think it's important to understand how to measure the culture of where you're at, whatever that may be, right? And there may not be culture, there may be problems, right? There may be frustrations or stress, but you need to figure that out. And then whatever that delta is, you need to be that difference. And how you go about doing that was a lot of the things we've been talking about, always willing to do something. Your reputation matters. You tell Jamie or you tell Shane, I'm going to be there at 945, you know, be there at 930, be there at 935 and be consistent. Nothing wrong with you know, just blowing someone's expectations out of the water. I don't know if this others struggle with this, but I always want to get things, you know, perfect, right? You're always aiming for that perfect thing. Even today, I was talking to my sons as we were bringing them back from a dentist appointment, and he's noticing the lines on the road are not perfect. He's like, they're driving me insane, dad. And I go, you know, that's, a, <laughs> that's an example for you, though. I said, lines aren't perfect, but they got the work done, right? And, and I've heard a bunch of different ways of doing that. And, mm-hmm. and I would say that too. I would say, don't look for that. A superintendent is so busy with so much stuff happening. The last thing they're looking for is perfect. They're looking for product or results. So I would tell people like what Ben was talking about, always be available to to help out. I remember being scared in meetings where I was able to bring up the courage to give an opinion or something uh, in an appropriate manner, right? And that ended up paying dividends later on where people Mm -hmm. noticed, hey, you bring value to something. So I would say find that culture measure your delta and be that change. Be vulnerable. If, if I, I need to be honest with myself in the last 18 months, what I have learned is that it used to be like, no, I need to be the stoic guy. I got this team, you know, we're good. You know, I'm an mm-hmm. energizer bunny. And no, the truth is that I learned that it was stronger to tell them that I'm exhausted and I'm frustrated. Yeah. So that's probably been the most recent thing that I've learned in my career about leadership. And again, it just goes back to, it's okay to be human. It's okay to, you know, do those things. But you do have to be strategic with it. If all of that, I'd summarize it again with stick to your word, build a good reputation. And you'll see that people will just reach out to you because we look for people who are dependable. We look for mm-hmm. people that are willing to do the work. And that's what leadership is about. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Shane, what about you? So I think what's been successful for me is just my willingness to learn from others throughout the organization. Try to learn everything I can from from every other aspect of the organization, whether it's from MO or facilities or, or from the teachers themselves, our business office and purchasing and, and finance and all that stuff. I have a, a true desire to, to understand what it is that those other people do so that I can really be a resource for them. That's ultimately what I want to do is, is be in service to them and be that resource so that when they have a problem, they call me. I want to be the go-to guy for them as it relates to technology and even other things. I think that's, that's served me fairly well. Yeah, I like, I like that very much. I was going to say that's similar to mine. I think for me, what made me different and set me apart early in all of this was that I was so close to the teacher and student need, mm-hmm. having been a teacher and 
felt some of the frustration with complicated systems and challenges for kids to have access to tech. And I remember I diagrammed out on the whiteboard of my room, like how hard it was to log in and get to your stuff. And I still have a picture of it. Like I found out what internet filter we had and I mapped out like everything and I drew it and I diagrammed it. And I was like, this, we've got to fix this. It's too hard to do any work. Yeah. And I used that my first couple years, like I mapped out the five-year plan for what I wanted the district to be. And now I feel a little bit like I've lost that a little bit, like I'm so far removed. Mm-hmm. So that's why like every opportunity I have to get into the classroom, to talk to people, like you were saying, to find out what their job is, to build that. <laughs> empathy because then it helps me design cha- like the solutions that are the right solutions for the challenges that we have. So I would say, you know, just stay, if you're trying to break into this, just be observant, find the challenges, offer solutions, take that courage as Antonio mentioned and, you know, offer up your ideas, but also be ready for it to be rejected. And that's okay. Just be back with another one and kind of keep in the game as, as best you can. Yeah. And I, so I know one of the challenges for breaking into leadership is, you know, when you look at like uh, job opportunities that are posted, they're looking for an entry level supervisory mm-hmm. position for somebody that has five years of experience, right? So we're always kind of challenged with that as you're trying to move into new positions. But I think one of the benefits or one of the things that you can do to be successful is to just kind of lead from where you're at. So can you guys tell us a little bit about that or speak to that, just leading from where you're at? And uh, I'm going to pick on you, Antonio, instead of Ben. No, that's fine. That's fine. I'm going to be honest with you. The leading from where you're at, I still have to reflect on that particular phrase. This is why it's, I equate this to Jamie Alka because she's a classroom teacher. I equate it to when mm-hmm. the, you're trying to help a teacher and the teacher says, yeah, try doing that with my kids, right? Thing is like, I speak to some, our positions aren't the same or across the state. So it makes it very difficult. And they're like, oh, I would love to leave where I'm at, but I just don't have time. You get this pushback from that particular thing, right? And I, I'm still mentally trying to work through this. However, I would tell folks that that our interactions that we have, and maybe that's all it is, it's just our interactions, our approach, our passions for what we do, that we could fine tune those and do the best we can at work. And most of the yeah. time, people see that, right? Mm-hmm. A willingness. So I tell folks, for example, leading from where you're at for me is if you're going to complain, I'd love to hear it, but also bring a solution. So right. hey, Mr. Romero, you know what? Oh, why is it like this? Like Jamie was talking about mapping out how long it takes to, to do something. I agree with you. Imagine I got two kids. Imagine if I had to remember 32 logins clever class thing that, I mean, we have solutions for those types of things. So for me, that phrase just goes into trying to make sure that we're having as positive an outlook as we can. And I understand there are some environments that aren't healthy. We talked about yeah. a little bit, we touched it, politics, frustrations, board issues, all this other stuff. I get all that. But I think as long as we're able to understand that if we're focusing on doing the best that we can every day. And like Jamie said, even if someone translates that into not successful, but we felt we did what we could, I think over time, that's a collective yeah. progress. So leading from where you're at to me is a, a step-by-step. It's kind of like building a wall brick at a brick at a time. But maybe a wall is a bad example. Maybe more like a pathway or something, right? Anyways, I'm still trying to figure out that answer, how we can rephrase it. So it's like more encompassing yeah. and equitable to everyone, but that's how I would translate it. Yeah. How about you, Ben? I think, you know, Leadership, John Maxwell says, leadership is influence, and it doesn't take a a role or a title to be a leader. And mm-hmm. you can lead as a as a technician. You can be leading the department as a technician, or you can be leading as a director or CTO. It just depends on who you're influencing. I take that very seriously. So I always evaluate where am I influencing? How am I influencing schools? How am I influencing classrooms? How am I influencing? superintendent how am i influencing the board you know and that's my responsibility i feel as a cto to take on that hat 
and go, how can I create positive influence from a tech perspective that, in, that has a positive impact to student learning? And so I'm always taking that on. So that's, I guess, overall my perspective and vision of how I lead and where, how I lead from where I'm at. It doesn't really, either, it's not really a, a title, it's the effect, I guess, yeah. if, that makes, if that makes sense and the impact mm -hmm. it has mm -hmm. on student learning, because that's what we're here to accomplish. I do everything I can to be as competent and aware Mm -hmm. uh, as possible of our mm -hmm. of our students, of our staff, of our classrooms, or principals. You know, what are they dealing with, and how can we make their jobs easier? How can mm -hmm. we solve problems that don't they don't even know exist yet? You know, that includes communication. You know, clear, concise, accurate information being shared out to your parents, to your staff, to your students in timely you know a timely manner that isn't technical, but yet covers technical items as yeah. an example. And so everything I do, I try to look at it from that perspective, probably too, too extreme as well, to a fault. But I, get, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but I'm trying to think of how no, I, think I, it does. Absolutely. How yeah. I lead. And I don't necessarily think about it in one thing. It's just, it's always on my mind. Yeah, I like the concept of uh, trying to maximize your influence no matter where, where you are or what position you have, trying to maximize your your ability to, to make positive change. That's, I think that's really great. And as a leader, I'll add, you know, you're leading, you're influencing your team. So you make, are you motivating your team to be successful in that same way, right? It doesn't do any great to me to be a superhero. If I don't have a bunch of superheroes working alongside me, you have to have a team that does that. And are you developing and finding your team's strengths and maximizing those? And then maybe if you have a weakness, how are you overcoming that weakness or finding a solution or, you know, whether it's the vendor or something else that can help you get through that. Again, yeah. if you're looking at the impact of students, it's not about a pride thing, not about your department taking, you know, mm -hmm. having all the accolades. It's about impact. And yeah. that's beyond me and my title and my, you know, my name. But it's about what can we do for kids. So, anyway. Yeah, thank you guys for that. Appreciate it. Jerry, you want to go on to the next question? The only thing I was going to add to that, just kind of what Ben mentioned just really made me think that a lot of this is about reflection and mm -hmm. really thinking through what what well what didn't go well how you're going to adjust being ready to to learn from every opportunity that comes across yeah. but also being really open to critique and i think that's something that i had to learn because it doesn't feel good at all to have somebody tell you what you did wrong or that they hate the system you just put in all the classrooms <laughs> or whatever that is but being open to that and like almost craving it and it's almost like I had an aunt once who told me she loved doing the dishes. I was like, what? <laughs> like, nobody loves doing the dishes. But she told me why. She told me she liked at parties, getting that time away, and she would go and just get to kind of think through, you know, everything that happened, get a few minutes to catch her breath. And also it was a nice gift if she was at somebody else's house to do the dishes for them. Like, she really liked that. And I was like, oh, so you can purposefully, like, you can make a change. Like, I hate this, but I'm going to say I like it. It actually works. So I did that with critique. And I started telling people, I love it. Give me feedback, whatever it is, good, bad, positive. I don't care. I love feedback. And over time, it actually becomes true. It still stings. And I still tell people it's going to hurt a little bit at first. And you get that, that moment to be mad. And, but you let it go and you grow from it. So yeah. that would be my final piece for this is just become that person that is open and willing to take feedback and also give good feedback to other people. I think that can make a change too. I had my evaluation today. Two questions for my boss was, what am I doing that helps the team? Mm -hmm. or in the organization, and what am I doing that hurts the team, hurts the organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you get a good feedback and a bad, you know, positive and, a, and a, something to work on. 
And those are two questions I ask on a regular basis to teachers, to principals, and my team that help me get feedback. Because people many times are afraid or don't want to do it. But if you ask, then many times we'll give you something that is helpful. Mm -hmm. helpful. And I remember learning some of this from you, Ben, at our class is you talked about how you always, every time you gave an evaluation, you got feedback back on yourself. And that I remember that to this day. And that was so positive. Try to include that. So since it's uh, getting close to summer, or it is summer, I think it's it's pretty hot out there today as we're recording. I think, Antonio, you said uh, 110 or 12 or some insane number where you're at. 117 right now, 117. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I, goodness. I'm inside, so I'm not complaining. So what I'd like to ask is, uh, what's on your, your summer reading list, or what would you recommend? I think reading is an important thing for a leader to do. So, Ben, want to go first with that one? Yeah, you know, one of the books that I would recommend and it's really impacted me and it kind of goes back to the feedback comment and conversation is conversational capacity and it's basically the idea of being able to take feedback and to not only take it in, in a positive way but to request it and to get your team and people around you to poke holes in your theories or a project or something coming out to make it better and so the idea is you look at every, every conversation is not personal, but it's about the end result, you know, and this is about making things better for kids. So it's not, when they're saying this isn't going to work, they're not saying it's not going to work because they don't like me. They're saying it's not because it's probably not going to work. And they really yeah. want this to be good for kids. And so it just kind of helps you reevaluate and get, you know, it helped me a lot, get out of myself, get away from me being about me, me leading my team and making it about me or making it about results. Antonio, what you got? For the summer, I, I got two responses to that. Somebody recommended a book to me. They said, where, what is that? Peas in the same pod, something like that. So Trust Factor, I don't remember the author, but they said that they think it would be a good read for me. So I have that one marked. And I'm going to be listening to that one because we're going to start traveling again. So I'm going to, mm -hmm. that's when I would consume a lot of this material is uh, over audio. But then I hear uh, other people is like, oh, I don't like, I understand the reading is, you know, depends. Some people love it, some don't. So yeah. my new thing is I'm at the store and I'll pick up like a, a Time magazine that's small that interests me. I may have this one right here that I'm that I finished, which was uh, the science of learning, and it's been really interesting because it's something that I've like wanted to learn about myself a little bit more in depth. And it's a quick read, right? I mean, it's probably a week, and you're done with it. So for those that maybe think, oh my goodness, summer, I just want to disconnect a little bit at a time. And for me, it's rejuvenating. It helps me understand myself better, so that helps me be better with other people. But the trust factor. And if you're at the grocery store, and you're into it. Those time magazines are, they're interesting. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I guess it's not necessarily reading or not necessarily reading you know, audio books or just kind of always working on yourself, right? Whether that's just reflecting on what you're doing or, or reading a book or reading a magazine or learning in some way. I think it's important. So I want to say thank you to our guests, Ben and Antonio. This has been an amazing episode. It's really, really fun to hear your stories and be a part of the conversation with you. So thank you for sharing everything that you have learned and how you've grown over time. I think it's super interesting. So thank you again. I also want to give a shout out to our amazing site staff for supporting our podcast. Uh, be sure to register for the site conference coming up soon in person. So we hope yes. to see all of you there. That's going to be amazing. And to Ben and Antonio, we want to give you a minute of airtime for shout outs, gratitude, or appreciation, anything at all. Antonio, you're up first. All right, 60 seconds, hit the clock. Oh, well, first of all, Jamie and Shane and Tuda too, thank you very much and the entire SAT organization. It's been, it's been a pretty awesome ride. 
the last year. I'd like to thank them for the support uh, because I know that I always add my CTO cohort. If I need something, as you guys know, you've been through the program. These are a group of people that are always there for you anytime and they're dealing with the same problem. So to them particularly, I'd like to thank them for all of that. My entire team at work, they're amazing folks. It's growing. We're hiring a couple of people. So in the next couple of weeks, that's going to be awesome. My family for their ongoing support, uh, it's been, and my friends, it's been crazy. And there's so many mentors that have helped me throughout the years that I'm not even going to try naming them because I I forget (laughs) one of them. But I would like to say they know who they are. They're really important people. And also that some folks don't even know how important some interactions are and how all of us need just a a good moment. And so to all those people who probably will never know, thank you for those moments that that I needed. Again, this has been a fun experience and, and thank you very much for having me on. All right. Well, first, I'd like to thank Jamie, Shane, Antonio. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. I also want to thank you each as being part of your network, I would call it. I've learned so much from each of you with your perspective and your insight through the years, not just today, obviously, but over the years, each of you have provided me information and, and guidance and invaluable context to many of our discussions. And I've, I've appreciated, I've grown just by knowing each of you. So thank you for that. I'd also like to thank my family, of course, my wife and kids for, for putting up with me and allowing me to work as many times hours that I, I do, especially the last you know year and a half or so, getting through the pandemic and such. I appreciate their support and love for me, despite my deficiencies. I also like to thank my team as well for having faith and trust as we've powered through these, these last few months, just trusting our leadership, trusting what we, had, we needed to accomplish, mm-hmm. the goals in front of us. And uh, I would say meeting the challenge and meeting it well. As well, I'd like to thank all of the students, staff, Hemet USD, for allowing me the opportunity to guide and lead the tech department here in the organization for just putting their trust in me and allowing me the opportunities to lead them. I thank you for the site community as well, CTO mentor program. There's so many things that have allowed me to, to develop and grow mentors along the way, mentors who were ones I learned what to do and ones I watched them what not to do as well. Thank you for being a good example or a poor example and letting me learn from you along the way. And I know we've all had those many times yes. I've learned more from the poor examples than I have from the good the good examples of the directors and such. But but in all all seriousness, I love the the quote by Mother Teresa. She says, I can do things you cannot you can do things I cannot, but together we can do great things. And I share that with our staff and our, our teachers and on a regular basis because I truly believe with our skill set of technologists, if we partner with our staff and our stu- teachers, we can do some great things yeah. for our kids. And so again, I'm thankful for all the teachers, all the all the staff classified, certificated throughout the districts for their partnership and their hard work over this last you know 15 months especially getting through and changing and being flexible. Yeah. Thank you for that. Oh, and we have uh, one final question for you. It's our would you rather question. So would you rather have infinite battery life for your phone and laptop or infinite fuel for your car? Antonio, go for it. Uh, Car. Yes. Infinite fuel for my car. Don't ask me why, but that one. (laughs) (laughs) You said you were traveling soon, so maybe for that, right? I just figured if that happened, I can drive to them and be like, hey, I lost my battery. So I would just try to solve the problem. You know? that's, how, that's, that's where my brain went to. 
<laughs> How about you, Ben? I would go with car because I can always plug my phone into my car and recharge it that way. So it's two for one. Yeah. Very nice. Loophole. Yes. Well done. <laughs> what about you, Jamie? I picked car too because I thought phone and laptop kind of meant work. So I thought, you know, go with the car and, and go on a great road trip. Shane? I was thinking laptop and phone because I don't want to drive anymore. That's true. You know, I've kind of enjoyed the remote work that we've been doing. Not complaining about coming back to the office at, at all, but I really did enjoy the remote work. So eventually I'd like to find myself in that space where I don't, I don't have to spend as much time on the freeways. That's fair. <laughs> Thank you everyone so much. It was amazing to have you all here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.